So welcome in to the Backroads Podcast. This is the Week 2 Playoff Edition, Area Round, now out of the way. Yes, I guess officially, Bobby, we'll call it the Area Round. I'm Craig Spree with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Bobby, you look at the playoffs in those area rounds, and we got a team that wins on the very last play by blocking an extra point. Uh, some teams won that we knew were going to win. Some teams, I think, made some definite statements. And including one of those teams that made a statement is where we're going to start this afternoon, and that is with the head coach for the Klondike Cougars, Dalton DeGraffenried. Coach, welcome in. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So I got to ask you, you guys, last year you lost a groom in that same spot in the playoffs. This year you get some revenge. You pick up the victory over them 72-58. to 58. Just talk about the game and how good it felt to turn the tables from last year's loss. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, our kids, uh, uh, you know, that last last year lost to them, uh, you know, it stung, you know, especially uh, as deep of, of a run as they made and as close as they came, you know, to playing for a state championship. Uh, so, you know, I think – over the last year, it's just been a, a, a big motivation for our kids to, you know, hopefully get back, uh, you know, in that spot. And, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, we kind of we, we worked our way there and uh, our kids were fired up, you know, all week long. Uh, they were they were ready to play those guys again. And uh, and so it was it was just exciting. You know, it's probably one of the most exciting weeks uh, that, that I've been a part of as a coach, just because, you know, every single kid is just dialed in and uh you know we uh we felt like we you know had a second second chance uh at, at something that uh you know didn't exactly go our way last year yeah now so a big win for you guys talk about the play of josh airs mendez uh over 200 yards rushing in this ball game over 150 yards passing what is he meant to your team and what is he bringing to that offense uh you know he's a he's a catalyst for us you know uh he can he can hurt people with his legs he can hurt people with his arm uh you know, I think uh, really he just he just constantly makes really good decisions, uh, you know, on when to run it, when to throw it. Uh, you know, we put a lot of pressure on him and, you know, uh, uh, we put, put a lot of trust in him as well, uh, you know, to make those kinds of decisions. And, and uh, week in and week out, he just uh, he performs, uh, you know, and uh, it just uh, he uh, He's just one of those kids that, uh, you know, I'm really glad that he's suiting up for us, uh, you know, week in and week out. But, uh, you know, he just, uh, like you said, he he ran for over 250, he threw for over, you know, 150. It's just uh, fortunately for us that uh, defenses have a hard, hard uh, time, you know, taking away every every aspect of uh, what we can do. But, uh, uh, you know, up front, our guys did a heck of a job, you know, giving him time, giving him space. And, uh, you know, we had some other kids, you know, uh, Josh's cousin, Steven Ars Mendes had a big night catching the football as well. So he, uh, he did a, he did a heck of a job, you know, uh, getting space on defenders. You know, he, he had, he had 135 yards receiving and two touchdowns, you know? And so, uh, when you've got guys that are open, uh, you know, Josh kind of joked with us during the game, he's like, man, uh, I really like it when those guys are running by themselves. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he, he, did, he does a heck of a job for us. And, uh, you know, uh, I hate that he's a senior, uh, you know, but he's he's a good one. Earlier in the season, you guys lost to Whitherell. And, you know, you, you I think people wondered, okay, well, just how good Klondike is Klondike. Then you guys, it's like you've been on a run ever since that loss. Do, do you feel like that was a turning point in your season where – I don't know, maybe it refocused your team or, or just w- what made the difference in the Cougars moving forward after that ball game? 
oh yeah, you know, uh, uh, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, you know, your kids, they need to learn, learn to lose, you know, and that kind of sounds weird, but, uh, you know, that, that loss, like you said, you know, it just, it kind of, it had a sense of refocus to it. You know, we were, we were banged up early in the year. Uh, you know, one of our two way starters, uh, you know, we lost him week one, uh, you know, Creed Warren, uh, he, uh, he had an injury week one that sidelined him for eight weeks. And, uh, you know, uh, when, uh, you know, in hindsight, it, it ended up helping us in the long run, just because, you know, a freshman Edgar Gonzalez was able to, you know, kind of fill that, fill that spot that, that Creed had left open. And, uh, and he got a ton of experience and it helped us a, a lot last Friday night against groom, but you know, that loss against Whit Harrell early, uh, they're a dang good football team. Uh, you know, I think they're a lot better than a whole lot of people realize. Uh, and, uh, you know, that night it, uh, you know, we, we were a little banged up and then, uh, you know, Bobby was there and it, uh, it was, it was a, it was a little, little wet, you know, to, to, to say the least, uh, you know, we had that two hour lightning delay and then we go out and, you know, we turned the ball over a couple of times and, you know, Whit Harrell took advantage of it. And, uh, you know, we just kind of dug our, dug ourselves in a hole that, uh, we ended up swimming in. <laughs> swimming is the correct in mud mostly. <laughs> Yeah, you know our uh, our shoes our shoes uh, that we wore that that night uh, as coaches they uh, they have seen brighter days for sure. Uh, you know that I just remember as the, as the game went, we just kept sinking deeper and deeper. You know, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I hope I don't ever have to play in that much mud and water again. So, how many days did it take you washing those uniforms to get them clean? Because they were pretty nasty. Yeah, my wife, my wife really doesn't like to talk about it. Uh, you know, she uh, she ended up uh, she ended up getting the brunt of the deal on that. Uh, we washed them uh, probably, I mean, six seven times. We soaked them. Uh, you know, it just we did every we we pulled out every trick we knew. We tried every soap possible, and uh, fortunately. Uh, they uh they turned out you know being white again but that was only the second time we had ever worn those white jerseys because they were brand new at the beginning of the year and so when we were coming off the field i was like my goodness i hope we can get these things <laughs> back to livable yeah that'll do it let's hope we don't have see that again yeah amen talk a little bit about your uh quarterback i know that uh he had a brother Kyler Pepper that played last year and it seems like he was just ready to step right into that position can you talk about that a little bit yeah so our quarterback is uh you know Colby Pepper he's a he's a sophomore uh coming into two days you know that that spot for us was wide open uh you know um you know I feel like at our level you know some spots are you know locked in more than others suspect uh you know Josh I mean everybody knew Josh was going to be our starting running back spread back you know Steven was going to start at receiver for us Tucker Dixon at guard but you know we kind of had a big question mark there uh, you know at quarterback and there was about three or four kids that uh you know during two days we we uh kind of rolled in there and gave a lot of reps to and you know just uh, over time Colby kind of just separated himself from the rest of the the bunch and uh you know he's uh he stepped in and he's done, he's done exactly what we've needed him to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, like you said, Kyler, Kyler was our starting quarterback for, you know, the last two years. And so uh, that's definitely helped Colby. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think he, he might get more coaching from Kyler than he does from me. 
uh, at home. But uh, uh, Colby's done. He's been sensational all year. Uh, he uh, he uh, he does what we need him to do. Like I said, uh, and the big thing, you know, he's he's really grown as as a quarterback uh, uh, from an emotional standpoint. You know, he threw a big. Uh, you know, there's he threw an interception against Groom. Uh, you know that they ended up running back for like an 81 yard you know, touchdown, you know, we were right there in the end zone and he, uh, you know, he, he ran, he threw a pick there and, uh, you know, the next series, he just, he was able to find, you know, just flush it, move on. Uh, and, you know, let us down the field that next series, uh, you know, he's been a really good blocker for us. Uh, you know, Josh has done a heck of a job running behind Colby all year. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's been, he's been uh, awesome for us. Uh, uh, and we hope he continues to grow and, you know, we're glad that we get him for a few more years. Talk about the game that you've got coming up now. You've got the uh, Anton Bulldogs, a team that knocks off Follette, a team that was uh, ranked top ten all season long, and now Anton comes calling. Sergio Champion leads that offense. Talk about what you've got to do as a team uh, to not only be successful, to, but to get past Anton. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know they've uh, they've been in the top ten all season long. Uh, you know, and that's no that's that's by no mistake. Uh, you know, they had a they had a heck of a year last year. You know, they. Uh, uh, very similar to kind of, you know, what we did last year, you know, they were on a run and then Follett just, you know, barely edges them out, you know, in this area around last year and they got another shot at them again this year and uh, they were able to, to turn the tide. And so they're super athletic. Like you said, you know, uh, the Sergio champion, he does, he does a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, he can hurt you with his arm. Uh, you know, he's deadly throwing the football and, you know, he's, he's, he's very athletic uh, running the ball as well. Uh, they just they're just I mean they've got a ton of weapons I mean there's weapons all over the field uh, he does a he heck of a job uh, spreading the ball out and so coverage wise we better I mean we better be locked in you know we've got to we've got to cover uh, cover everybody everywhere and uh, you know it's uh, it's gonna be kind of like a track meet you know uh, you know that's that saying's used quite a bit in six man football but uh, uh, you know they uh, they like to. You know, they, they're a high-octane offense. They score a lot of points. And, uh, you know, so we're uh, we're going to have to just, you know, kind of match their athleticism the best we can and, you know, hopefully, hopefully try to capitalize on any mistakes that they make. And, uh, you know, it's going to be one of those games that uh, every possession is going to matter, you know, in a big way. You're, you're somebody who played at Crane for the Crane Cranes. Love the, love the mascot, by the that's, that's just great. But you played there at Crane. Uh, you coached at Stanford before taking over at Klondike, who was 1-9. What led you to the six-man, and what have you found to be so much fun about coaching at six-man versus being there in 11-man? Oh, yeah. You know, I, my, me and my wife were expecting uh, our first little one uh, when I was there at Stanford, and so uh, we had kind of just decided that we wanted to uh, get a little closer to home, which is uh, obviously Crane. You know, she's from Crane as well. And so uh, I just kind of started looking at, looking at jobs out there. And uh, I had a buddy that, you know, actually lived in Patricia. That's right here by Klondike. Uh, and uh, his, uh, his cousin's wife was the head girls basketball coach at the time. And uh, he just called me one day and said, hey, you know, the, they're looking for a head football coach. Uh, you know, it, it's six man, but, uh, you know, I figured, uh, you know, it might be worth you know, checking out and, uh, I've always, you know, I've always been intrigued by the six man game, you know, uh, Dwayne Lee and my dad graduated from crane together, uh, and they're, they're good friends. And so growing up, you know, uh, uh, I'd go watch, uh, you know, some of his games, you know, I still remember watching, you know, him win a state championship over Fort Davis there at Ratliff, uh, you know, his, his first year in Strawn. 
and uh you know so it was uh, uh it wasn't it wasn't new to me as far as the game itself but uh you know i had never played it and i'd never coached it uh but you know i uh i interviewed you know and was fortunate enough to to get the job and it's uh it's been a blast ever since uh you know i think what i like the most about it's just the the relationships you build with kids there's not there's obviously not as many on the field and uh so every every single kid is involved in every single drill we do for the most part and uh, i feel like those relationships are just so much more in depth than uh, some of the relationships you form at the 11 man level just because i mean we see all our kids all day long uh and so it's uh it's been a blast i've, I've been very very blessed so you talk about uh, your dad knowing Coach Lee. Have you reached out to Coach Lee at times to say, hey, hey, what did I get myself into? And now that you're further down this road, hey, help me out here. Oh, yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've asked, I've, I've definitely asked, uh, asked him quite a few questions. When I first got the job, you know, he, he was one of the first people that I, that I uh, reached out to. Uh, Jeff Jones at Garden City coached me for two years in high school uh, when I was a freshman and a sophomore. Uh, before he got the head job at Marfa. And so, uh, you know, he was another one that, uh, you know, I kind of leaned on for, for advice and, uh, and and things of that nature. And then uh, my first summer uh, when we went to six-man coaching school, uh, Coach Lee introduced me to Vance Jones. Uh, and uh, I, uh, you know, I had about an hour to two-hour conversation with Coach, Coach Jones. Uh, and uh, he helped me a ton, gave me a lot of stuff. And so, uh, uh, you know, those three kind of, you know, really helped me, uh, you know, that first year. And then since then, I just, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a sponge, you know, I try to just absorb as much as I can from, from everybody that we, we play and, you know, everybody that, uh, that, uh, I, I, I meet and, and converse with. Uh, and so I just, you know, it, being a coach, you're a, you're a lifetime, lifetime learner. And so I, we just try to learn, learn something, you know, every chance we get and try to apply it to hopefully be, be successful. You were extremely young when you took the job there at Klondike. Not that you're old now, you're still way younger than Bobby and I, but you were really young when you took that job over. What do you think a, a young coach has to do to make sure that they get the respect of their players when you're really not that much older than a lot of those kids? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is just, uh, I mean, you just you just got to stay true to, to who you are. I mean, you know, Kids are smart, you know. Even though they act dumb, you know, uh, they're they're smart, and, and uh, they know after after you know knowing someone for long enough, especially you know when they're around them every day, uh, you know they know who you are and, and kind of what you're about. And so, uh, my you know my whole playing career and, and and you know even my early early years of coaching, uh, you know I'm a I'm a up tempo high high energy guy, and you know so that's that's just, you know, that's who we were, who we were from, from day one. And, you know, that's who we are now. Uh, you know, I'm fortunate, you know, I've got some awesome assistant coaches and they're the same way, you know, they're, they're young, high energy guys. And we just, uh, you know, practice, practice. There's not a lot of, not a lot of sitting around, not a lot of, not, you know, we just, we coach on the fly. We go, you know, we go up tempo, hurry up. We just, uh, uh, we try to have as much fun as we can. And, uh, you know, I think whenever you stay true to who you are and kind of what you, you know, firmly believe in, uh, then, you know, those those kids, they just they buy in and, you know, they become a huge part of it. And, I mean, you know, I just it's awesome. We've had we've had phenomenal groups of boys since I've been here. 
every senior class has been awesome as far as leadership goes. And, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously out doing great things themselves now. Some of them are still playing, you know, playing ball, you know, at the college level. And uh, so we've, we've just, you know, we just take it, take it day by day. And we just, uh, you know, leave the pedal, pedal to the metal. And we, we have a lot of fun out here. I'm just really looking forward to the game Friday with you guys, with the Cougars and Anton, because I think that's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a fantastic yeah. game. We're excited about it. You know, uh, our kids, uh, you know, it's they're going to get to experience Thanksgiving football. And, you know, that that's a blessing in itself. Not everybody gets to experience that. So uh, we're just uh, we're over the moon about it. So we uh, we can't wait to, you know, can't wait to practice this week. You know, uh, we're blessed to, to get to play, you know, another game. And uh, when we kick it off, we'll uh, we'll we'll have some fun and hopefully uh, score some points and, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a good one. Like you said, it's a uh, any any game this late in November uh, is 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 going to be a good one. So, have you issued any warnings about Thanksgiving dinner? Not <laughs> yet, but that conversation will be had. Uh, we're hope you know we'll have our walk through Thursday morning, and uh, we're hoping uh, you know we're going to have a, a a team brunch there after our walk through Thursday morning, and we're hoping that uh, you know they eat they eat enough there that it'll hold them over where maybe they'll limit themselves to one plate on Thursday, Thursday night. Uh, they, they can eat all the turkey they want uh, on uh, Friday night and Saturday. I was going to say, those are teenage boys. That's going to be hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope, I hope none of them are playing, you know, 10 pounds heavier on Friday than they're used to. <laughs> well, coach, I may I may need to join you there. If, if that's what it takes to limit what I eat at Thanksgiving, maybe I'll have to come to your, your team practice on Thursday <laughs> and join the boys yeah. there. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, coach, we do appreciate you joining us here this afternoon. Good luck uh, to your Klondike Cougars uh, taking on Anton this week. Yes, sir. Thank you all. It was great to have Coach DeGraffenreed on with us. Uh, his Klondike Cougars takeout groom, 72 to 58. He talked about Josh Arsmendez, 154 yards passing, three touchdowns, 253 yards rushing, uh, two touchdowns there. I talked about Steven with 135 yards receiving and Creed Warren, that's a name he mentioned. And we hadn't heard, and that's a big one. You know, happy has seen the same thing. You lose a player at the start of the season, you get them back heading into the playoffs, and it makes a huge difference. And Warren was 73 yards receiving at a touchdown and a rushing touchdown in that ball game. The Cougars now move on to face Anton, who defeated Follett 72-48. to Sergio Champion, five touchdowns. Gage Garcia, three touchdowns rushing. And now Anton and Klondike coming up. And we'll get to all those games after we kind of go through all these. But i tell you what, Bobby, and we talked about it with Coach DeGraffenried, Klondike has played so well since that Wood Herald game. And, uh, you know, I almost wonder if people maybe thought, you know, decided that they just weren't the team that they thought when they lost that game to Whitharrell, and that's been a huge mistake. It really has. Uh, you know, I was at that game, and um, it was just a strange game all the way around. But you're right. After they they got beat, and they've all of a sudden come out of the woodwork and said, you know, hey, we're much better than, than what you think we are. So, uh, you know, in a sense, they're kind of the sleeper because – no one really thought that they were going to do well after getting beat by Whit Harrell. So um, I think that probably had a little positivity to it. And uh, as Coach DeGraffenried indicated a while ago, you know, when he said it's sometimes it's good to lose. And he's right. 
you know, when teams like that lose early to someone they shouldn't lose to, um, it kind of gets their attention sometimes. It, it definitely does. So let's just stay in Division Two as we run through the area around. And, and you know, it's funny because I call it the area around. You can call it the regional semifinals. Oh, let's stick with area. <laughs> oh. You know, we're, we're going to get about that later because that's something that got Lehman tweeting and writing and who knows what else. But he accomplished something that uh, was amazing. So we'll get to that. But we're going to call it the area around and we'll stick in Division 2. Uh, we'll go to Region 2, two games there. Motley County, the number one ranked Matadors, defeat Balmeray 68-44. to They got a big in that ball game. Uh, Balmeray rallied back, but Motley County finally put them away. And Jaden and Lorraine played what looked like an 11-man game. 34-14, to the Jaybirds win. That game, if I remember right, was 8-6 to at halftime. It was. I was kind of surprised at that. But, you know, I've watched Lorraine play. They have a, they have a really good offense. So uh, it looked like the Jaybirds had a little issue with that early, but then they kind of started moving away from them in the third and fourth. And so that that's going to create uh, next week, Jayton and Motley County, uh, two teams out of the same district. And we've got a lot of that. That's going to be a big theme as we look forward to the uh, state quarterfinals. In Region 3, Strawn all over Throckmorton, 61 to 8, and Gordon takes out Goldberg, 82 to 37. That game was uh, fairly close early in the game, kind of like the uh, Jaden Lorraine game. And then uh, I don't know what, I don't know if something happened or, or what, but Gordon just kind of took off. And when you look at Strawn, you know, I, I think that's a good Throckmorton team. I think it just proves how good. The Greyhounds of Strawn are. There was a guarantee that the Greyhound was going to win that ball game. I just think that proves how strong they are uh, to beat Throckmorton that well. I, I agree with that completely. Now on to Region 4, where Oakwood. Now this was surprising. Oakwood beating Cherokee, I don't know that necessarily surprised me. But to defeat them 52-16, to 16, uh, that I thought was impressive. And then Richland Springs all over Oglesby, 53 to nothing. Yeah, both of those games, I, I was surprised Cherokee was beat by Oak, Oakwood, but it looks like those Panthers, they're, they got in the playoffs and they're ready to run, so it'll be interesting to see how they fare this next week. And then we talk about Richland Springs, Jaden Bryant, nine carries, 93 yards, two touchdowns, uh, one pass, one completion. And a 20-yard touchdown pass out of that. Zane Caps, uh, three carries for 85 yards and two touchdowns. The Cowboys are running on all cylinders right now. For Oglesby, as they end their season, only 52 yards total offense. Blake Thompson made up 43 of that, 23 on the ground, and 20 through the air. So let's move up now to Division One, and we'll start in Region 1. Valley takes out Spurs 66-54. to some kid named Jackson Edwards is back and really making the Patriots dangerous. 237 yards rushing, five touchdowns. He also had a punt return for a touchdown. His running mate, Blake Beard, 218 yards rushing and a touchdown. Parker Hartman from his safety position, nine tackles and two interceptions. And then the last time this year, we'll say LeJean Walker, 282 yards rushing, five touchdowns, three of six through the air and 50 yards. And Corey Hamilton, 13 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. He also had six tackles in that ball game. But Spur, really what did them in is four turnovers in this game to the Patriots. Yes. Um, also, they lost several key players to injuries during that game. I believe their quarterback went out in the second quarter. And, you know, when you lose a key position like that, it, it kind of destroys your offense. 
Um, but, you know, Valley is just rolling on all cylinders. So that's, I'm excited about the Valley happy mass matchup because, you know, I watched, I was at that game for the district championship and um, I don't know. I just think it seems like both happy and Valley are playing just at a different level both teams and I think that is going to be a war now I, I agree with you and you talked about happy they finally get by their kryptonite the Borden County Coyotes 61 to 35 uh, note for you happy 0-4 since 2015 against Borden County had lost twice in the state quarterfinals twice in the state semifinals but they win this one in uh, just as Creed Warren has come back for Klondike, Pace Bressler has come back with a vengeance for uh, Happy. 21 carries, 273 yards, five touchdowns. It was also 3-3 three three for 60 yards passing and a touchdown. Camden Spears, 75 yards passing, two touchdowns. And Kiton Johnson, 69 yards receiving and a touchdown there. And for Borden County, Ishmael Rodriguez was just flat out impressive. Uh, talk about somebody who left everything on the field. 17 of 25 205 yards passing with four touchdowns. He also carried the ball 11 times for 108 yards. Uh, to me, a, a big key for Happy is Rhett Kingston. Only 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. The Cowboy defense was able to keep him in check. And then Mason Adcock, four receptions, 31 yards, and two scores. One thing that we'll need to watch for next uh, year, Craig, is Borden County. Definitely. Um, they got some young players that are just itching to break out so next season we got to watch out for those Borden County Coyotes most definitely a, a sophomore laden team and I guarantee you they will be uh, ready to step up next year so that that will be a team to watch out for moving on down to region two Sterling City the defending state champs no problem with Van Horn 46 to nothing Cash Johnson 102 yards rushing on only four uh, carries two touchdowns and Jonathan Monreal, 91 yards rushing on uh, two carries and two touchdowns. And then Westbrook. This game surprised me. Westbrook beating Rankin didn't surprise me. 86 to 38 stunned me. Yeah, I, I talked to my contact over in Rankin, and he he said it was just a good old-fashioned butt whip, whipping. <laughs> I mean, that's all he could say. He said that's the only way you can ex you can describe it. Um. I'm telling you, Coach Matlock, he double-teamed Braxton Kirkland on both sides of the ball. I think that was really the difference. Well, I'll tell you what, you look at that Wildcat team, and you know, you look at their record, and you're like, okay, well, it's, it's not that great. But you look at who they played to start the season, and you look at how they are playing now. They're dangerous, very dangerous. They, oh, yes, definitely. It's, it's like they – went into another gear like turbo and so uh them playing sterling city next week i mean i know we'll talk about that in a little bit but you know westbrook they they play like a team with something to prove and that is scary it, it is and boy you look at this schedule and i just brought it up here in front of me <laughs> let's kind of run this down Week one, Motley County. Week two, Borden County. Week three, Lorraine. Week four, Water Valley. Week five, Strawn. Week six, Garden City. Week nine, they get Sterling City, and then they start the playoffs. That is unbelievable. I mean, that's just a crazy 
schedule that they've got there with Lorraine being the easiest opponent they had there for the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, Lorraine's not a bad team. They're a pretty good little team. But, you know, Coach Matlock in our interview with him said that, you know, in the past they played some very easy teams for the regular season so they weren't ready for playoffs. Well, guess what, folks? They're ready for the playoffs this year. And it's going to be scary what they do to folks. It, it will be, and that sets up a rematch that we'll talk about uh, later on with Sterling City, uh, two div, uh, district matchups there as well. Region 3, and we're going to start at the bottom half. Abbott takes out Newcastle 54-8. to Robert Munoz, six carries, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Isaiah Singleton, uh, 75 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And Kane Klaus, uh, nine tackles, two tackles for loss. For the Bobcats, cash drawbridge. 21 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown, and 71 yards passing through the air. But Abbott gets past Newcastle. Newcastle's a good ball club, but Abbott's just at a totally different level, I think. They really are. I think uh, this is a joke, obviously, but <laughs> really think it has something to do with all that blonde hair. <laughs> I'm telling you, they they have unity over there with the, the Abbott Panthers, and they're rolling in Region 3. They are. Next up for them is going to be the Coolidge Yellow Jackets. So Coolidge takes out St. Joe 43-42, to and we got to talk about this game. So St. Joe is up in the second quarter 36-8, to and I'm looking at that going, okay, Logan Bronner's having a great game. Next thing you know, here comes Coolidge. They storm all the way back. They get in front of this ball game. St. Joe scores final play of the ball game, so it comes to the two-point conversion for the win or the loss, and the Yellow Jackets block it for the victory, 43-42. to That is unreal. It really is. Uh, St. Joe came marching down the field and scored, and, you know, they scored as, I think, time ran out, and they gave them the PAT, and it just, it just went south. It did not go well. Uh, Coolidge had someone. I, I, you know that that player, whoever blocked it, I mean, they're still riding high <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, that was probably the block of their life mm. right there. Mm. So Coolidge does beat St. Joe. Um, that that score was a little surprising at the end. You know, when they were up a lot, I was thinking, okay, that's, that's kind of what I expected. But then Coolidge did not lay down. They just came back. So I'm... I'm kind of excited to see what they do. Yeah, I know. That, that's impressive. Alex Rivera led the way there for the Yellow Jackets, 131 yards rushing and a touchdown. Hunter Lowry, 110 yards passing. He only completed five balls, but four of those went for a touchdown. Alexis Martinez and Tyler Miller both had two receiving touchdowns in that game. And for St. Joe, Logan Bronner, 15 for 152 and four touchdowns. Uh, and their quarterback, Matthew Butler, Everson, 9 of 20, 126 yards and a touchdown. He also had a rushing touchdown, and uh, one of those uh, uh, passing receptions went to Jonathan Diaz, 95 yards receiving and a touchdown. So Coolidge and the Yellow Jackets move on to face Abbott uh, this coming week. And then finally in Region 4, one of the big games that we were looking forward to, May defeats Jonesboro 84-55. to Jonesboro was only 2 of 10 on third down in this ballgame, had five turnovers. That really is a big difference uh, when you're facing the May Tigers. Oh, it's a huge difference when you're facing the May Tigers. But Jonesboro got uh, further behind there at one point and then started coming back. And I thought maybe it would be a little closer game. But really, 
when you're playing May 84 to 55, that is pretty close. It, it is. And, uh, In so, the grand scheme of things. <laughs> it, it is. So Coach Steele's Tigers continue uh, to march right on. Next week, they're going to get Water Valley. Uh, they defeat Lamita 58-8, to so the machine moves on. Cannon Weiss, 15 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns. They also had 57 yards passing through the air and two scores. Anthony Quintana, 57 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Gabe Smith, uh, two receptions, 39 yards and two touchdowns. And for Lamita, Tim Juarez, 10 to 22 through the air, 146 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And so let's get right to it. Let's look at now what's going to be the state quarterfinals or regional finals, whichever you want to call them. We look at the brackets, it says state quarterfinals, so we'll start there. And we have to start, I think, in Division One. Region 4. This Maywater Valley game is going to be fantastic. I plan to be there. <laughs> I don't blame yes. you. I I you know, I love all football, but when you know that that there's going to be a war kind of like with Klondike and Anton, same is going to go for May and Water Valley and I am so excited for that game. That's on Saturday at 6. It's going to be at Robert Lee. That's a awesome six-man facility that they have there in Robert Lee. So um, we're trying to get permissions to broadcast that game. We're just waiting on a few things. And um, I don't even know what to say about that game. There really are no words because it's just going to be a war. It really is. No, you are right there. I do think it will be a war. You know, Water Valley defeated Westbrook, who we think so highly of in week four of the season, 55 to 34. Now they get May, and I, I don't know. It, it This is going to be just unreal ball game because I don't – there's just nobody – you talk about a push. I know that May comes into this ball game favored, but I just don't know that either team is that much better than the other that you can say, you know what, I, I think I'm going to lay down 20 bucks on this team or that team. I just think they're that close, and that's what's going to make this game fantastic. And, you know, that's why we play the game. And this is definitely going to be one of them. Wow. I mean, I'm just so excited about that game. I can't even tell you. There really are no words. So, guys, if you're listening to us and you want to go do something on Saturday, show up in Robert Lee at 6 p.m. or before 6 p.m. You may not find a place to park because I have found that games such as this, I mean, it it's not unheard of that over a thousand people would be there especially it being our only saturday state quarterfinal game exactly i mean everybody in there anybody who's even within two hours driving distance they might end up at robert lee i plan on being there early so <laughs> i can get a parking spot well that, that's great advice there region three abbott and coolidge and on paper you go well abbott's going to roll in this one but after what coolidge did to st joe rallying the way they did it scares me to say that Abbott's just going to roll the Yellow Jackets in this one. Yeah, I don't think you can say that either. And, you know, the Abbott Coolers are in the same district. So that's another one. What, they're of the eight games we have in this round of the playoffs, five of them feature district foes. And, and Abbott won their first matchup 53-8. to eight. But yeah, just wonder if Coolidge is playing at a different level than they were at start uh, when that went 
took place in week nine. Yeah, I think maybe they've shifted into a different gear now. Um, sometimes if you have young kids, it takes a little bit to get over the hump. But once they're over the hump, then you better watch out. So that that may have been what happened with Coolidge. Definitely. So, Abbott Coolidge, it's going to be a good one. It's it, going to be a good one. It will be. That one's on Friday at 730. Region 2 in Division 1, another matchup of district teams. Sterling City and Westbrook are going to battle it out. Westbrook defeated Sterling City 60-50 to in that crazy game where Westbrook got up big. Sterling City rallied, and then Westbrook wins it at the end. Yeah, that was that, that crazy one where they fumbled at the two-yard line, and Westbrook picked it up and ran it all the way down the field for a score. Um, so... Yeah, that's going to be a really, really good one, too. That one's Friday at 7.30 in Colorado City. So if you're anywhere near Colorado City, you might want to head on over there and catch that game. It's going to be a good one because you know what's good about the, the, the district rivals at this level of the playoffs is that you know, I mean, it's basically the same team. But you know that they've experienced some things in the last two weeks that has given them a little bit more knowledge uh, to play the game at a different level. So I'm excited to see how that one turns out. Yeah, me, me too. I just wonder if Cedric Ware will be the difference. Ware, of course, those nine rushing touchdowns against Rankin. And, uh, boy, he, he is playing extremely well for Westbrook. Oh, yeah. He, he pretty much had a breakout. I mean, just he's like – See ya, I'm going to the end zone. I mean, nine TDs, that's that's unreal. But um obviously they have him back and and I bet those I bet they're very happy to have them back. But you know, I watched Sterling City against Van Horn and they are playing at a different level from what I watched earlier in the season. Um again, Cass Johnson, but then they have Johnny Monreal who's a sophomore and they have a whole slew of Eagles who are just chomping at the bit to get back to the state game. I mean, you know, they're exactly. the defending state champ. That says a lot. It does. No, you're right there. And then uh, finally in Region 1, uh, two teams from the same district, and we all expected this one in Region 1, the final, uh, the uh, state quarterfinal game to be Valley and Happy, right? We all expected that. No, not at <laughs> all. We all thought it, everyone, well, but me, thought it was supposed to be you know spring lake earth and and everybody basically overlooked valley because early in the season they had some injuries that really hampered them they got beat by jonesboro because of injuries you know they had stayed with jonesboro and and had a few injuries key to key players and they ended up losing that one and it seems like they've kept kicked it up a notch and I think I'm going to have to figure out a different phrase because some of these teams are just playing at a different level than what they played at just three weeks ago. And I know that has to do a lot with um, the level and the timing. You know, here we are. What is this? If we're going by weeks, it's week 13. We, we, well, yeah, that was week 13. And we're now heading into week 14. Right. So that's 14 weeks of playing a sport you know, day in and day out, and you've learned some things as a team as and as individuals. And uh, 
I think that that has made a huge difference for most of these teams. Yeah, and injuries, I think, are big for this one. Valley now has what appears to be a healthy Jackson Edwards. Uh, That's he, a scary thing. Yeah, he, he is dynamic from that spread back position. Happy versus when they played Valley. Valley won the district matchup 70-68. to 68. And uh, Happy now has Pace Bressler and Kiton Johnson in uniform uh, where they didn't in that ball game. So uh, two, uh, I don't want to say different looking teams, just two teams that have gotten back some key pieces uh, should set up a great matchup Friday night in Dimmit uh, at 6 o'clock. Well, and another thing I think Happy has a leg up on Valley a little bit is it's supposed to be cold Friday. And that far north in Dimmit. You know, that's that's basically even on the scale with, with where Happy plays in the cold. <laughs> and so, I know I, this makes a huge difference because when I used to drive uh, from Jayton to Lubbock, you know, I'd have to go up on the cap. And once you get up on the cap, the temp drops eight degrees. <laughs> that's a big drop. It is. And it, that's a it daily is. thing. So, you know. I think Happy will be more prepared to play in the cold than Valley. Will that make a difference? Who knows? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. You you are right there. Let's drop down to Division Two. Of course, we already talked about Anton and Klondike, and uh, I just I, I'm with you. I think that is going to be another fantastic matchup. That, that's a good thing when you look at the eight games that are scheduled. Um, I don't know. I mean, there might be a game or two in there that might get away, but so many of these appear to be so evenly matched up. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, I wish I could, you know, how we talked about splitting ourselves in two earlier this, this season of the podcast. Yeah. I'd like to split myself into eight different, seven different people besides the one I am now. (laughs) So I can go to all of these games. I mean, they're all going to be good. Definitely. Uh, in Region 2 there, another uh, district matchup, Jayton and Motley County doing battle. Of course, uh, Motley County won that uh, matchup between those two ball clubs earlier in the season. And uh, what Matadors just continue to move on. Yeah, Jayton fell in that one 82-36. to But, I, you know, I just I, to me, it is much harder to play a team the second time because you're just that much more used to each other. And that wasn't that long ago. No. No, that, that game went on. That was that three was a, weeks ago, right? Yeah, that was the final game of the season, of the regular season. Right. So um, uh, kind of like the Strawn and Gordon game. That was the final game of the season. So that was just a few weeks ago. Uh, and I just don't know what's going to happen in that one. Yeah. Because in the, in the last game of the season – Motley County and Jayton were tied at 36 at half. And then Motley County just kind of put it away. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They play in Idaloo Friday night at 6, which is a little odd because it's about the same distance from both. But, you know, they're they're below the cap. So, (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I have a dividing line of the Cap Rocks. So. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, and Coach Staniland's going to be looking. You know, he won his 100th victory this last week uh, there in Jayton. And so uh, both Stanilands, uh in the playoffs. And uh, Josh Staniland going to be looking for victory 101 uh, against his uh, rivals, the Motley County Matadors. And then you talked about it, Gordon and Strawn. 
And I got to ask you, so this game was originally scheduled to take place on Wednesday night, which I thought was a little odd, but then I thought, well, they just played each other not too long ago, so maybe that's why they're willing to do that. But and then they move it to Friday night. What, what's what's going on with the movement of the game in that one? I don't know. I was I I didn't ask. I I find it is best not to ask silly questions like that <laughs> during the playoffs, especially at the state quarterfinal round. But I'm sure I'll ask at some point. Maybe I'll I'll just impart that knowledge once I get it. But you know, on the UIL bracket, the dates are. The 25th through the 27th so the uil may have stepped in gotcha. i don't know that that is pure speculation on my part um so they may have they they even moved the the host location as well or maybe dublin i think it was originally supposed to be in dublin yep maybe dublin couldn't do it and so they had to find a place that would do it. Maybe Breckenridge could only do it Friday. I mean, there are so many different reasons that that game could move. De- definitely. You talk about uh, needing places to play. I know uh, Happy and Valley really struggled on Saturday because of all weeks to play, this is Thanksgiving weekend. So when you go somewhere, they've got to be able to staff what's going on at their facility. And during this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, that is probably just – so hard to accomplish and uh, I, th- I think we're all very lucky that we we're able to find places to play because you know you're you're asking somewhere between 15 and 30 workers to show up and and give up you know half of their uh half of the day on their thanksgiving weekend um to help work a ball game that they theoretically have no interest in that's true and you know lots of people in smaller towns go out of town for thanksgiving to their families and so there's lots of people traveling and you may not have 30 people that can volunteer so or will even be in town so it is very difficult on this weekend specifically uh, to get workers and and find a good host location it is and then finally there in region four richland springs and oakwood you know, on paper, you would say Richland Springs all day long. But to me, if you've made it to the state quarterfinals, that, that is just, that's a hard thing to say. It is. And obviously, Oakwood came, I mean, I hate to say they came out of nowhere. They didn't come out of nowhere. It's just, you know, at the beginning, I think that the reason I that stuck in my head is because it seems like at the beginning of the season, they were having a hard time finding games. Um. And maybe COVID had a little bit to do with that or wherever, the, you know, where they're located. But, um, you know, Oakwood Panthers, they deserve to be there. And they're going to take on those Coyotes. And we'll see how that's going to go down. But that one's at 6 o'clock Friday in Heiko. You know, that's a, that's a great place to play. That, that it is. So the uh, state quarterfinals taking place Friday and the one game on Saturday. Can't wait to uh, go over all those games next week and talk about those. It should be absolutely fantastic. Some incredible matchups coming up, uh, and you definitely don't want to miss those. So with that said, let's kind of move on to the rest of what's going on. And the state volleyball tournament went on, and we have a new champion, Fayetteville. We do. Fayetteville came out of nowhere. Uh, This was their 
first uh, state tournament berth ever. And in the, in the semifinals, they played Sulphur Bluff. And in the finals, they beat Blum in three sets. I think the, probably the most uh, impressive thing is Brooklyn Yeager. I hope I said that correctly. She's a junior for Fayetteville, and she won the MVP of the championship game, and she had a state record of 40 kills. Wow. She also, in the semifinal game against Sulphur Bluff, tied another state record with eight service aces. Um, so the tournament team, and I'm so sorry, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm sure I'm going to butcher some of these names. <laughs> I started to say, looking at them, I can imagine you will. But I'm going to try really hard and, you know, maybe get an A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, Brooklyn from Jaeger from Fayetteville was MVP. Kami Schley, sophomore from Fayetteville, made the all-tournament team, as did Maddie Novika. Senior from Fayetteville, Addison Willingham, who's a sophomore from Blum, Ruby Rumor, sophomore from Blum, and Emma Scott, sophomore from Blum. What does that tell you? Uh, you know, that, what that tells me is we could see a Fayetteville-Blum rematch next year because you got your MVP coming back as well as an all-tournament player for Fayetteville and three all-tournament players coming back for Blum. Wow, that, that's impressive. Yes, it definitely is. So, yes, I expect to see them back at the uh, state volleyball tournament next year. So that's impressive. You know, Fayetteville now has won last year's uh, state baseball tournament. Now they get mm -hmm. a volleyball a title. Uh, so Fayetteville, it's good times there right now. It really is. Let's see what else they come out and tear up the playoffs in. Never know. <laughs> Def definitely. Uh, some other news and notes going on. Uh, Tatum Goodman, uh, the uh, young lady, the sophomore from Spring Lake Earth, and we talked about her ability. You know, nobody challenged her all season long. Well, she ran in the small school cross-country nationals. Uh, those were held there on the campus of Lubbock Christian University. This is the first time she ran the 5K, and, well, to no surprise, she came in first. She ran a 17-33, and uh, she just she's incredible. She is. She's totally incredible. Uh, I saw a picture. Uh, she get she got the the shell from the starter's gun because you know that's what they do in cross country. You get the shell from the starter's gun, and she just blew all. The, and when it says small school, it's not just one A. So um, I didn't quite find all of the schools that were involved, but once again. Tatum Goodman runs away with first. Yeah. Uh, so here's a good note for you. So basketball season has started, and we really haven't talked much about it because football really does kind of dominate the landscape this time of the year. But uh, basketball has started up, especially when you talk about girls' action. Uh, a lot of the girls' teams have been going now for uh, well over a month. And Sands up here in Region 1-1A, defeats the number one ranked Nazareth Swiftettes by one point. And you go, yes. okay, well, that's pretty impressive. You know, Nazareth's won how many state titles? Now 25, 26 state titles. So that in itself, uh, to get a victory over them at any point in time is impressive. So I did some homework on this, and I think I have this right. And Coach Eric Schilling may uh, tell me that I'm wrong here, but 
it looks to me like this is the first time a team from Region 1-1A has defeated Nazareth since Valentine's Day of 2013 when they lost in the regional quarterfinals to fall at 47-44. to That's almost 10 straight years where nobody in your region has beat you. Yeah, that's that's pretty scary. And and here comes the Sands Lady Mustangs. Yeah, that's... So I, I think we're going to be talking about the Sands Lady Mustangs, which is no surprise to me. I've been waiting for this year for for a couple years now because those Lady Mustangs have played really well the last few years. And now I, I believe the bulk of them are seniors. And um, obviously... You know, I was telling, I was talking to someone about uh, this specific game where they beat Nazareth by one point. And, um, the person said, you know, I wonder if Sand said, okay, our season's done. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how important it is, yes. you know, to beat Nazareth. It's especially in region one. Yeah. Everybody knows Nazareth Swiftettes. They got all those stars on there their warm-up tops that show their state champions. But, you know, Sands Lady Mustangs may have something to say about that, especially come February. That's going to be exciting to see. It will be. And you look at that region. I mean, you've got Nazareth. You've got Sands. Uh, the number two-ranked team, the Claude Lady Stangs, uh, they're loaded back for bear as well. That region. Don't Borden County. Yeah, that region is just that that should make for a a fantastic uh, regional tournament there, which I'm assuming gets to be held again back at Level Land. Uh, one of the greatest things that they do is hold the 1A and 2A playoffs there, and uh, so looking forward to that one. Definitely. Uh, Texas Six. Hey, season two is available out on Paramount Plus. You can watch the first four episodes out there. Uh, fantastic first season. Can't wait for season two. Yeah, I need to start watching that, but with all the football and everything else going on, I haven't been able to sit down and watch that, but I'm going to make some time. I loved season one. It was great. Yes, no, it, it was. Well, speaking of... And our favorite, Coach Lee, <laughs> you know, he's... Uh, what a great coach. <laughs> that, what. that he is. We'll talk about fantastic, so... I want to bring up something that uh, you've got a note on, and let's talk about here, and that is 2A wants what 1A has. Since when is that the case? Uh, it's been the case for several years, actually. Uh, you know, we've had some 1A schools that we've covered go up to 2A. This was two years ago, uh, New Home and Ropes specifically. And both towns had asked, can you come up to 2A with us? So we can have someone who covers us. And I was like, no, I, I, you know, we got 1A. 1A is our thing. We love 1A. Um, so, you know, I get this periodically from 2A. Like Haskell had asked me if I could cover 2A track for them. And <laughs> I said, no, I, I do 1A track. But I, I'm happy to share my, my infamous track spreadsheet. <laughs> so I did share that with them. But we received a message uh, on our Instagram from a student from Albany, Texas. And he really wanted us to post some pictures of him on our Instagram. But, of course, we post just one A. 
And he asked if, so when Ditsy said, well, you know, we cover 1A, not 2A. And he asked if 2A Division Two was small enough to get in. <laughs> so he was trying to sneak under the wire and get his picture on our Instagram. I know the kids love the Instagram and they send us all kinds of wonderful stuff. Um, but we are 100% committed to the 1A classification. That's who we love. That's what we do. That's who we're passionate about. And this has actually come up so much that I've often wondered why people in other classifications don't do what we do. I mean, maybe it's not their passion. You know, maybe they have a life unlike me. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. People tell me, do you have a life? No, it's it's 1A. Um, but, but they should have someone. Because, you know, news stations, they do a good job of covering people in their area, but there's really no one to uh, cover the collective of a classification. Uh, Hoop Insider does an awesome job with boys basketball, and there are several other groups, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's a specific population. So I'm really proud that uh, we cover just 1A, and that's all we're going to cover because they keep us busy, and we absolutely love 1A kids because they don't get near enough recognition. Um, so I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Dency thought that was kind of funny, but it comes up every now and then. I thought I'd let y'all know. 2A, some 2A schools and kids, you know, they want to be 1A. Well, So feel pretty good about where you're at. Exactly. No kidding there. Now let's uh, finish up the show uh, with a couple of things. Things that make Lehman tweet. And one of those was him talking about the uh, 1A uh, bracket with the UIL. So Lehman decided to tweet at him. And then he decided to write him a 300-page uh, uh, documentary on how they should change things. <laughs> but it could have been 300 pages. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it turns out Lehman didn't have to die on that hill that he was uh, charging up. He did get uh, the UIL to change the brackets, and now they read correctly. They do. Actually, they changed all but this last week, which was the problematic labeling. Right on the bracket and then he re and he wrote and he said thank you for updating the others but can you please update this one specific tab to area and so they did that very quickly and so shout out to the uil um they did it in the middle of the state volleyball tournament even so they were pretty busy so shout out to lehman and the uil lehman for charging up that hill and not dying on it because, you know, we still have to talk about things that make Lehman tweet. <laughs> Speaking of that, um, Lehman did tweet about Strawn versus Gordon coming up this week in the state quarterfinal round. And he said, this is what he said, top 10 greatest rivalries in Texas high school football. And he will throw hands on that. <laughs> Oh, now I have a hard imagine. time. I have a hard time seeing Lehman throwing hands. Well, obviously the Strawn and Gordon game being top ten greatest rivalry, um, he's going to do it then. So maybe we'll be able to to watch that. If I were a fly on the wall, telling you. <laughs> also, if you didn't read Lehman's article about the nineteen thirty nine Van Horn Eagle team, you need to go do that. Go to one a dot com. 
go to the zone and you'll see highlights from the hinterlands and it's about the van horn eagle team that was undefeated in 1939 but experienced some drama and some you know no social media no barely any phones on the wall back then i mean 1939 come on well there was there was a phone on the wall but uh, when you picked it up you could have had your neighbor down the road on it that's right yeah you had to go through the operator but it seems that a neighboring town in the same district decided to uh, bring up some rumors about how Van Horn was playing illegal or ineligible players and so it was a war in the newspaper if you would like to go read about it it was the two superintendents going back and forth it's it's quite entertaining and engaging and what surprised me was you know We've talked about this. Lehman can pull this stuff out, and we have no <laughs> idea how he finds it. And I actually read a tweet, a tweet and a Facebook post from Van Horn people saying they didn't even know about this. Wow. People who live in the town didn't know about it. But you know what? Lehman comes to the rescue. I am continually amazed at Lehman's knowledge of six-man football and if you'll go to the website along with the article it's an actual picture of the newspaper and of the roster of the Van Horn Eagles who played on that team well and and just know if you've got skeletons in the closet when it comes to six-man football he'll go out and dig them up and find them he will and he'll find a picture to go along with it i'm telling you he's amazing he has amazed me so many times i can't even tell you that's funny well finally let's finish up here with not my hill but your hill and two things that drive you absolutely crazy during the football playoff season and i'm going to preempt this by saying the word nfhs Uh, is front and center in all of this Yes, I, you know, I don't want to talk about this a lot. I just want to, to hit up on it because this has been an issue, especially like for Texas 1A fan in the playoffs when we need to broadcast. I mean, ours is a voice only over, uh, you know, the internet, a radio broadcast. There's no video involved, nothing like that. So the two things that drive me crazy every single football season is number one, NFHS dictates every move made. I mean, that's by schools, everybody. Number two, schools think that online radio broadcasts violate the NFHS contract. That is not true. So those are two things that drive me crazy. We'll get into that in just a minute. But two things I wish would happen. This is, this is what I would like for, to come out of this. The NFHS streaming, I wish it was continual and didn't buffer and attempt to reload so much during a broadcast. And I also wish that other ways of streaming were allowed in the playoffs like they are during regular season. That way, schools have more options. So I got on my horse, as you know. I jumped up on my box, I guess I should say. (laughs) And so I decided to use my research skills 
and I got my hands on an M NFHS contract and reviewed it. And um, I was looking for specific things, but other things jumped out at me. But the contract has very vague language, like on using purpose. the word streaming instead of specific with video streaming because you can have voice streaming. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why schools would feel like uh, online radio broadcast violates NFHS contract. However, I, <laughs> I did dig into NFHS. And one thing that I thought was a little odd was they used to have a handbook out there and there's a link for it. And when you go to it, um, if there's an error in the documents not available anymore. So I wasn't able to read that handbook. However, there is a Q&A, like a fact, like a frequently asked questions. One of the questions in that FAQ is, um, do radio broadcasts violate the contract? And NFHS answers in that FAQ, no, it does not. So there's your answer, folks. Um, so in all my, I guess I, I'm, I may be a little bit like Lehman and went down the rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, I also found where many schools who have contracts with NFHS are trying to get out of them. Um, the number one reason, and I'm just reporting this, I, I don't know because I've never called their customer service line, but they don't. It seems that schools complain that NFHS does not provide customer service in a timely manner. And also that streaming often fails during an event. Often. And, and, and I can attest to that because more than once we, uh, as a subscription holder, have attempted to watch an event only for it to not happen uh, because of buffering issues or what have you. And we complain about it, and we don't really get an apology. It's just a, well, we'll refund this month's uh, subscription to you. Well, no, that did me no good. This, is, this isn't like you're going out to rent a no. video and turning right around and going, oh, okay, so now I can, I can go see it. That, no, this is a live sporting event that you're paying a subscription service for, and you expect it to be there. You do. And more times than not, when I'm watching, when I can't make it to some state event to cover it or I have someone else covering it, you know, I still like to watch it. So I'll go, I have a subscription with NFHS, and so I pay the monthly fee, and I'll try to go watch it. And it's constant buffering and streaming, and it's so extremely frustrating. And, you know, nowadays, especially after the pandemic, oh, I said the dreaded word. <laughs> But, I mean, that's, these are the days we live in. There are a lot of grandparents and uncles and aunts that really want to go see a kid in the state tournament or game but can't because maybe they have health issues or maybe something's happened or maybe they, they can't leave the house for some reason. You know, you want them to be able to watch that uninterrupted, and that seems to never happen. So what I would wish more than anything is that – there's something is done to get into the 21st century using today's technology 
where there should be very little, if any, if any, buffering or reloading. Uh, hopefully, they get that fixed soon. I mean, I've been waiting for at least five years for that to get fixed, and it's not been fixed. So I have very little hope. I still have a little tiny hope that that, you know, that that happens, not just for me, but for all the grandparents, aunts and uncles and anybody who wants to watch the game, especially if you're paying for it. You're paying for a product, you expect it to work. And hopefully they'll start providing better service, uh, customer service to schools. Um, so now I am stepping down off my box, uh, but know that this is at the top of my list. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I don't know if this is a thing, if the UIL ever listens to our podcast, but if you are, please do something about that. And it's not just 1A. This is across the entire platform. No, it, it is. And I think you're right. The most frustrating part is this has been going on for years. You, you know, sometimes things happen and, and you'll have a, I don't know, a, a segment in there and, and you're like, well, you know, it's just been a really bad month or a bad couple of months. This has been ongoing for, as you said, five plus years. And, and that that is the disappointing part that people are paying subscription money for something that it doesn't appear anybody wants to fix. I Yeah, that's the sad part. And it's and that's the frustrating part, and I think that's why people get so upset with the NFHS because it seems like they have, um, they just they're just not going to fix it. And I just don't understand that, especially you know companies you expect them to do, you know provide the service that they're supposed to. So I'm going to hold out just a little bit more hope. It may last another year. It may not. We'll see. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but I have kicked my box away. So there you have it, folks. And if you have frustrations with NFHS, um, we're totally, we totally get it. That definitely we do. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up. This is uh, week two in the playoff edition of the Backroads podcast. Uh, looked at the area around, talked about the uh, state quarterfinals coming up. And next week, we will uh, give you all the stats and stories behind those ball games and get you ready for, believe it or not, the state semifinals. But until then, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Remember, folks, get out and watch one of these games. Uh, we have it up on the website if you don't, if you can't remember. It's there all the time. And enjoy it. Cheer. Enjoy the electricity because guess what? football withdrawals are coming i hate to break it to you <laughs> go forward this week and do a little good for someone